The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if, a member, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to Peter, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before his Lord, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Not of pity for him. The Lord of that slave released him and forgave him his debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him by the throat. He said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw the man into prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, They were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord what had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we hear a story today about forgiveness. And this is one of those Sundays where the, where the sermon for the kids is maybe better than the sermon for the adults because this is really something that at its very basic level is easy, right? Because we all tell kids, whether we have our own children or not, you know, don't forget to share. Don't forget to be nice to your brother or sister. You know, don't be mean to your friends. We, we tell kids all these different things about sharing and love and forgiveness. We talk to our children about how they're supposed to make up after fights. We tell them how they're not supposed to hold grudges. You know, we, we talk a lot throughout childhood with our children about forgiveness. And that means by the time we're adults, we're all really good at it and we never need to practice again, right? Well, maybe not. I, I think all of us have those people in our lives who we run into time and again, who every time we're in the same room with them, we just can't help but fuss. There is a, there is a guy I grew up with at Christus Victor, and we like each other just fine. You know, we, we get along really well in theory. We don't, we don't really have anything against each other, but we are too alike. And when we're in the same room for more than about 15 or 20 minutes, one or the other of us is going to start to get on the other one's nerves, and we are going to fight. It's just the way it is. Now, we don't, we don't fist fight. We're beyond that. But we'll snipe at each other, and we'll snip, and we'll make little remarks back and forth, and we'll walk away mad just because that's how we are. I remember uh, the movie uh, Bridget Jones' Diary, where, where Hugh Grant and um, whatever his face is that is in all the British movies, who, who my wife always likes to watch when he's in them, any time they're in a room together, it's guaranteed that they're going to fight. And it's part of the fun of that movie, and they do it over the course of two or three movies. You know, it, there's just some people like that, that every time you're in the room, you can't help it. Then, then there's other people. There's, there's those people who have hurt you deeply. 
you, you might have been close to him for a while. You know, people are, all of us have those, those ex-girlfriends or ex-boyfriends or sometimes ex-husbands or wives or sometimes it's children or parents or, or close friends who we, we drop our boundaries, we drop our defenses, we let them into our hearts, we let them into our lives and they do something that cuts us so deeply we don't know if we can even breathe. You know, and how do, we, how do we let go of that? You know, that's something that whether you want to or not, you're going to carry around a little bit, right? Or then there are those, those other people that, that we're called on to forgive, those, those people who might hurt us physically. This is, this is where it gets more difficult because there, there are some people who hurt our emotions, and, and it's one thing to, to be hurt emotionally, even though that is absolutely a real wound. But it's another thing when we hear this command to forgive and it's somebody who's been abusing us physically or someone who's been bullying us or, or somebody who, who breaks onto our property and takes things away from us or someone who we feel threatened by. You know, all of a sudden, forgiveness looks like something different, doesn't it? Because in order to remain safe, in order to remain whole, sometimes we have to remove ourselves from those people and we can't be in relationship with them anymore. But we still carry that pain. There are lots of different ways to hurt. And sometimes in congregations, because we're humans, because church is supposed to be a place where we all can be our best selves, right? And so we tend to let our boundaries down and let our guard down because we don't expect to be hurt at church. Sometimes at church, we find that people can hurt us more here than anywhere else in our lives because we're not expecting it. But people are people. Wherever we go, people are always people. And in the same way that we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves, we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, through what we've done and what we've left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And all those things that we confess week in, week out, week in, week out, for the reason that we just don't stop, can't stop, in some cases won't stop. You know, we realize that we are, when we hear this word bondage, we are enslaved to sin. We are bound by sin. We are captives of sin. We are captives of the pain and the grief and the suffering and the heartbreak and heartache that it causes. And sometimes, because it's easier to hold on to it than to let it go, not only are we captives of it, but we embrace it. You know, we hear that word grudge. And think of the verbs that are associated with the word grudge. We hold a grudge. We nurse a grudge. We carry a grudge. Those are intimate words. Those are words that are defined by relationship. You know, a grudge isn't just something we have. A grudge is something we hold. It's our choice. It's in our care. We give it energy and we give it time. Someone ran up a $1,000 phone bill living with me one time, and I carried that grudge, and I nursed it. And I was tender with it and loved it because I was so angry. And I was right to be angry, right? But it didn't hurt him. He wasn't upset. He left, and he didn't have to deal with me anymore, right? But it sure hurt me. I've heard peop- I heard someone say that, that carrying a grudge... Or seeking revenge is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. 
you know, it doesn't help us at all. So one of the first things I think about when it comes to forgiveness is forget other people. The first thing forgiveness does is it frees me because I'm no longer giving my time and my energy and my care and my love to that anger that I've been nursing. We, we forgive because it frees us. You know, what, one of the things that, that I saw that, that was so remarkable about forgiveness a few years ago after Dylan Roof sat in the Bible study for an hour with those people in Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston and shot nine people and killed them was very shortly after the family released a statement, the families of those people released a statement together saying that they forgave Dylan Roof. And the media got one right. They said, they said what a wonderful thing it was that they forgave Dylan Roof and, and what a wonderful Christian work it was and all these things about it. And it's, it's true, it was good and it was, it was holy and it was beautiful. But I think sometimes we don't understand why anyone would do something like that. It's not because they no longer have hard feelings toward Dylan Roof. I guarantee it. It's not because they think that his racism and his prejudice are all of a sudden okay. It's because by carrying around the wound that he inflicted on them and nursing it and caring for it, they're holding on to that poison that they would continue to drink and hope that he would die. But by offering forgiveness, they begin the process of healing within themselves. And they're able to release themselves from its power, from its grip, and begin the process of healing. That's why when we talk about things that are more difficult to forgive, like abuse, where you really do have to walk away from the relationship for your own safety and for the sake of that person who's enslaved by that behavior. You know, I'll talk to people about forgiveness, not because it's okay but because somehow you have to get on with your life and be able to move past it. Forgiveness is hard. You know, the thing that makes the forgiveness that Jesus is talking to Peter about so difficult today is when you're talking about forgiving someone seven times, this isn't just something that they've, that they've done to you that's a one-off and, oh, maybe they were careless. You know, if I'll tell couples who I'm going to perform a wedding for that they're going to have the same three arguments for their entire life. They might manifest in different ways, but it's always going to come back to those same core issues because the core of who we are as a human being remains constant our entire lives. We might change our behaviors, but our nature doesn't change all that much. And so when we think about a marriage, when we think about relationships with our children, when we think about relationships with our parents, when we think about long-term relationships with our friends, You know, from time to time, if you're close enough to anybody, you're going to fight and you're going to fuss and you're going to be angry. That's just how people operate. And when we talk about forgiving someone seven times, you know, it's because those same traits that keep coming up, those same things that keep frustrating us, those, those same behaviors, those same words, those same ways that they think that drive us nuts... Those are the same things that we're going to have to forgive. And one myth about forgiveness is, well, God will forgive us, but if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, you know, how is God going to forgive us that? The problem with being human is that being human means that we are repeat offenders. Because our nature doesn't change, we're still going to struggle with that same brokenness, 
that same sinfulness, those same behaviors, those same thoughts, those same problems, those same wounds our entire lives long. And God declares love for us in those spaces too. When, when we talk about forgiving someone seven times, we're talking about forgiving a repeat offender in our lives. And Jesus says, not just seven times, but 70 times. You know, or 77 times, depending on which version we're reading. And why that becomes so important is that if we're going to have a relationship with anybody, because except for our relationship with God and every relationship we have, everyone is human and humans are imperfect. We know that we're going to have those moments where we disagree and we fight and we hurt each other. And a relationship means that we figure out how to love each other even when we're doing things that that we don't like, even when people hurt us, even when those wounds run deep and run for generations like they can in families. Forgiveness frees us. Forgiveness releases us. Forgiveness gives us an opportunity to recognize that if I can begin to forgive somebody who has hurt me this many times, maybe when I hear those words of forgiveness pronounced to me, then those words can mean something when I know how many times I've fallen short, how many times I've broken my promises, how many times I've failed in big ways and small ways. You know, we driving over the dam, I was thinking about something that happened in the congregation where I was a pastor about a relationship that I never could quite get right, a relationship that remained broken after I left. And had to think about what forgiveness means in that context where the relationship isn't there anymore, but where I still feel guilty. I think maybe I'm not the only one who carries that kind of guilt around. Or, you know, the, the guilt that comes... When, when that same argument comes back up with our husband or our wife or our boyfriend or our girlfriend or our parents or whoever, and it's that argument where you've really let them down in the same way again, and not only do they have to figure out how they're going to let it go, but how do I get, this, get past this with myself when I realize, well, yeah, I really am that person who I don't want to be. I really am that person that, that I wish I could change and, and you realize a truth about yourself that really is true and it's not pretty. We all have those spaces within us too. Week after week after week, we confess our brokenness, our captivity, our boundedness, our bondage to sin. And we cannot free ourselves. And we hear those words of freedom as a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ. And by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in my heart, I wonder sometimes, do I believe that for me? It's easy to believe that for y'all. Do I believe that for me where I can compare my worst to your best? Do I believe that for me when I know what goes on in my heart and I wonder, how can God love that? Can I believe that for me when... I know that there are some things I'm just going to go out and do again because I can't help myself because I am just as much in bondage as everybody else. And I'm not chief among sinners or any of that, but I am broken the same as everyone else. Wearing a funny collar doesn't change that. And week after week after week, 
I hear myself or somebody say those words, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I dare to hope that those words are true for me too. So when we go out from this place and we go out into a world that, that seems right now to be, to be formed and molded in anger and hurt and, and the desire to, not, not physically all the time, even though I saw that someone was shot on devil's backbone this week, you know, but, but we just seem to want to wound each other with our words, whether it's over politics or whether it's over social issues or what have you, you know, how do we go out there as God's people in spaces where we disagree, in spaces where the disagreement is deep and real and abiding, and live out this ethic of forgiveness. Not seven times, but 70 times. This is where the gospel gets hard. This is where the gospel gets personal. This is where the gospel is needed so badly because the world is hungering and thirsting to hear those words of love and forgiveness those words that in, that in the spaces where we think our relationships are dead and dying and nothing new can ever grow again through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is hope there too for new life. So this week, how are you going to be those new life people? How are you going to be those people who are going to speak life into our culture, life into our communities, life into the brokenness of the, of the lives of the people in your family, among your friends? And how is it that you're going to open your own heart so that you can have that hope that life will spring in there too? Where God is, this is what happens. The dead come to life. The sick are healed. The hungry are fed. Sins are forgiven. Amen. I invite the congregation to be seated and the children to come forward for a children's sermon. I have candy. <laughs> but I found it in the sacristy, so who knows how old it is. <laughs> So I'm Pastor Eric, and I don't know all your names, so on the count of three, tell me your name, all right? One, two, three. Got it. All right. So in today's gospel lesson, we hear Jesus tell a parable. Does anyone know what a parable is? What? Anybody? What's a parable? It's what? A Iris? Oh, Avis. Oh, okay. Well, it's not an Avis. A parable is a story. A parable is a story that teaches us something. So you know how sometimes in school 
your teacher will give you an example to help you understand something. This is what Jesus does too, because he knows sometimes we have trouble understanding. And what we were having trouble understanding today is forgiveness. And Peter said to Jesus, if, uh, if someone sins against me, if someone does something to make me angry, has anyone ever been angry? Let's see your angry faces. Yeah. That's, that's not an angry face. That's, that's more of a, I don't know what to think of this face, but it's close. So have you, I remember when I was your age, I used to get really angry with my brother. Anyone get angry with their brother or sister or a friend or someone who they're close to and they care about? What happens when you get angry with them? Do you, yeah, you're raising all your limbs because you get really angry. Is that what's going on? So what happens when you get angry? What kinds of things do you do to each other? Fight. Yeah, sometimes I hit my brother and he learned to hit back. And I was bigger than him, so he learned to throw things at me and I stopped hitting him. And then what else do we do when, when we get angry with somebody? We argue, yeah, we say mean things to them, right? And what else, what else happens when we're angry at somebody? What happens when you're angry? You do fight, yeah. Sometimes, yeah? Oh, you take, a, you take their toys, or sometimes you fight because they took your toys, right? Yeah, oh, that used to make me so mad. And, and when you're angry at someone, what's it feel like? What's it feel like? Does it feel good? No, it doesn't, does it? it I, sometimes when I get really, really angry, I get so mad that I start to cry. Anyone ever cry when they get really mad? Yeah? Isn't it, so sometimes when I get really angry, I also feel embarrassed because I don't like to cry, right? Sometimes when I get really angry, I can feel it in my stomach and it feels like everything's twisting and clenching up. Y'all ever feel that? Or you feel your heart start to beat really fast or something like that? It doesn't feel good to be angry, does it? And then what happens? If you're, if you're angry at your brother or your sister, or you're angry at your friend, hmm? you, you, sometimes you might pass out. Some, sometimes my wife gets so angry at me, I think she might pass out. You know, but... Then when you see your brother or your sister and you're still angry at them, or maybe you see your friend at school and, and you all haven't talked in a couple days because you've been so mad, what's that feel like? It feels kind of sad and lonely, doesn't it? it, it sometimes it'll change my anger into, into sadness because I'm, I'm upset that I can't be friendly with my friends, right? Adults get that way too. We get angry at people and stop talking to people, and it hurts us when we see them. And when we carry that hurt around, when we carry that anger around, when we carry that sadness around, you know, that, that hurts too. That hurts almost as much as the things that we're angry about, doesn't it? So, so Jesus tells a story about forgiveness and about how when we receive forgiveness, it, it feels good and helps. But when we keep that forgiveness and we don't give it, it hurts us too. So this week, when you get angry with somebody no matter who it is. Think about how much it hurts to hold on to that anger and be fast to forgive them. Not just because you want to be friendly with them, but because you want to let go of the things that hurt, right? You want to feel better. You want to be able to be happy. You want to be able to remember that in the same way God forgives us everything, God calls us to forgive everything too. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray every Sunday that you will forgive us in the way we forgive others. 
And that is hard because sometimes it's hard to forgive people. Sometimes it's hard to forgive ourselves. We ask that you help us when we're angry or upset or hurt, that you help us to let go of those things so that we can replace the anger and hurt and pain with your love and your patience and your forgiveness, not just for the benefit of the people we forgive, but also for our own benefit so that we can be people who live in your joy. In the name of Jesus, amen.